You're listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And today we're going to discuss one of the titans, the pillars of death industrial atmospheric power electronics. That is a mouthful. And as is the band name, Anenzophalia. Uh, we might say an enzophalia sometimes. I say it both ways, depending, but uh, I believe falia is the correct pronunciation. Ephemeral dawn. Oh. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yes, yes so- I, I think I always say an enzophalia, but it do- obviously the way it's spelled does seem to be. Well, and it's falia. based on anencephaly, when, which is a, a, a baby that's born without a brain or a, a non-formed uh, brain structure. That's sort of the symbol that they use with this project. On other releases, it's a more prominent image. Yeah, it's not this on one, this release. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this one uh, has some other iconic imagery mm-hmm. that I associate with the Nenzophalia. But oh, we were going to yeah. dig into that after we discuss recent listening. What do you think? Should we do that? I think we could do that. Cool. You want to go ahead and let the people know what you've been listening uh, yeah, to? Yeah, it's a uh, man. I, I've been quite busy with stuff over the past week, so that did not allow me to uh, listen to much noise. Unfortunately, this is uh, probably come as no surprise to our listeners, but I got uh, the first cassette from Initiation Services, which is a mm. uh, self-titled cassette by the band Overload. I listened to that this week, too. <laughs> you did? <laughs> I did, and I love it. <laughs> I've listened to it a few times, and uh, mm-hmm. man, if you like, you know, we're going to talk about sort of uh, what I kind of think of a further mutation of power electronics, which is more of this atmospheric, industrial-tinged sort of thing, the, de- the melding of death industrial and power electronics on this Anencephalia record, but... Overload uh, is uh, harkens back to a time before that when uh, power electronics was a synthesizer and some vocals and some feedback uh, in the mm-hmm. Atrax Morgue uh, White House kind of vein. And so if that's what you're looking for, that's what you'll find. Yes. And I, I do believe the tape is sold out from initiation services, but I do believe that Kindritic Sound may have copies. That's that is true. That's unfortunately been it. I would love to have been putting more noise in my ears. I mean, I listen to some sort of like classic stuff, but nothing uh, nothing that hasn't been mentioned a hundred times. If you want to hear me talk about Polar Mold Mentis again, I don't know. Just listen to whatever episodes I mentioned that project in. Uh, Connelly's, how about yourselves? Yeah. However we say this project yeah. is wrong. Yes. But I question how to pronounce anything. But it doesn't matter. I like to think of it as Little Roger, like Little Richard. That's what I think of. That's what I've always thought of. But also That's in so, terms of personality, the sense of humor yes. and the sexiness to it. However you pronounce it is fine because this is amazing. So it's the box set, the undead box yeah. set recently that recently came out. And really, For Life is the main one that we've had for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And then just some other things here and there. But having this comprehensive box set is fantastic and it's so nice yeah it's 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 nice and simple you know compact but you know you got the 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 inside is has a great collage there's liner notes from christian olsen sturdy it's covered in collage it's full uh, gloss it's it's independent packaging sounds good listen fantastic comprehensive box set of a of the pre brighter death now 
world. I, I have that box, and I did listen through it uh, when I got it. I actually played the entire thing in one sitting. Uh, having I have the four life tape, uh, seven inch, the golden shower, like a couple, you know, a couple other releases. But yeah, there, a lot of this stuff has been pretty hard to track down on the originals, and the box looks and sounds fantastic. And uh, there's even like a live gig in the box, and it yeah. rules. <laughs> Sounds great. And uh, yeah, I love that project. And it's kind of created with the same stripped down setup as as Bread or Death now. And I just love the kind of energy put into that project. Ephemeral Dawn. <sighs> the original edition of this uh, CD came out in 1995 in a big 12-panel fold-out poster. The CD just kind of stuck in there. I think they made 750 copies of it on Tesco organization, and then it was reissued in a digipack in 2007, which is still around and easy to find and well worth tracking down if you don't have it. Although the poster is, I mean, it's just got it's just it's just got all this stuff in it, <laughs> and I love looking at it. In fact, uh, when I I got to design a shirt for an Enzophilia, I used one of the images from this poster uh, for the T-shirt, and. Yeah, this is, uh, I don't know, the classic like black Xerox brutalist architecture, uh, some sort of, like grainy conflict photos, bold text, weird uh, collage with crucifixion in them. Just a bunch of imagery which works perfectly with the abstract industrial malaise that is contained on this disc. This is a morbid album and i will mm -hmm. be using that word multiple times i think it's written down multiple times at least because there is a slowness to anunzophilia that to me that's what defines the project in a lot of ways and there's just this again this morbidity that oozes from every second of this album the slowness is, I think, attributed to the LFO or modulation generator on an, a Korg MS-20 synthesizer, something that we talked about in our IRM episode uh, and in countless other episodes, which is, you know, the kind of the main synthesizer, I believe, used by Anitzfalia. And also the use of rhythm and everything is just very low BPM. So everything unfolds very slowly, like a heartbeat uh, like deep breaths, like there is oh, sounds of which we'll hear later on this CD, but yeah, it really is, uh, uh, morbid and sort of suffocated sound yeah. that an Enzophilia has. There's not a lot of high frequency on this mm. disc. Everything is sort of strangled out and a lot of just bass modulation and sort of weird, I want to say patterns, but there's not, I feel like that much in the terms of programming, there's more of like strange playing of or patching of a synthesizer that generates a lot of these tones. And it goes from very heavy and muted bass oscillations to very grindy and nasty oscillators. And they sound great together. Absolutely. I, I agree. And, you know, for me, this album is about, the human condition. It's about fragility, but it's also about strength and the inevitability of suffering 
that we do as humans. Just everything in it is, it can be about like physical pain. It can be about emotional pain. Like the artwork has somebody being set on fire. Um, the image of the, um, the crucifix, but then on the back, the crucifix is inverted. It's, it's, us being forced to submit and it's being submitting to institutions, but also submitting to our own fragility and, you know, our, our own bodies. So I, yes, this is a dark and morbid album. It is, it's dismal. It's cheerless. That doesn't mean it's not enjoyable because it's absolutely just a pleasure to listen to because you almost get that catharsis of, you know, rolling around in, in our vulnerable position. The, the dismal aspect of modern life is something I also yes. associate with an encephalia, especially right. So the, the buildings, right. That's a motif that he uses multiple times. Dreary square buildings. Yeah. Color, colorless. And actually in the uh, gearing up for the episode, of course, we were listening to a lot of Anunzafalia and the program programmatica tape that hospital did has in the inside, there is, you know, new homes and it's, you know, this building new, new homes with, you know, this very block building, new idols with a sort of a tall grim apartment looking building, but, but grim in a way that of it's, it's, modern right not not like it's not decaying it's actually the the thing right this modern building yeah it's, and, just, it's drab and so i th- i always associate this sort of imagery with an encephalia and i think i think especially you know we start with beneath the shroud and it's just it really sets the tone right just crawlingly slow and it's not you're not you're not really gonna speed up too much couple points here and there maybe that and it's almost, I think, just because comparatively to the rest of the record, I bet, you know, there's there's one track I said this. <laughs> there's one track later on, I, I believe it is, uh, oh, uh, uh, Leibenstadt. I said this is the fastest track in quotes mm-hmm. because to even call that track fast is, you know, yes. absurd, you know, because it's it's just comparatively to the rest of the album. It has sort of a, a quicker pace, but barely, you know what I mean? And so I think Beneath the Shroud says the tone perfectly. Yeah, this is definitely that dreary industrial, like being mm-hmm. weary and questioning like what society we've created and why we need it. Yeah. I, Beneath the Shroud really sets the tone, you're right, with not only the, you said crawling, and I think that's really like the just the yeah. correct term for it. Uh and there is also sort of a percussive element on this track and these sort of white noise s- stabs that they'd come in, mm-hmm. but also the pace is set with those spoken vocals. It's not like screaming flanged feedback attack. It is very deliberate and not, and we'll see commanding vocals more later on, but we're not there with this yet. This is, ah, uh, a guided meditation to death that we're hearing. So this is great. All those, a lot of those words you just said are throughout my notes. And so, <laughs> so if, especially when we get to, and I, for me, honestly, I, I mean, obviously we're going to discuss other tracks. I am probably going to jump around a little bit. I've always thought of this album as one 
thing. I very I don't think I've ever actually sort of even thought of it as individual tracks in a way. I just think of Ephemeral Dawn. It's like, mm-hmm. it, it's this. It's the this way it thing, flows right? into itself, yeah. So in Infernal Wake, that the vocals, I said they're patient and commanding without being barked. So what I said is it's psychologically commanding. So exactly, and that's what I love about his vocals across the project is that they're not the yelling, screaming, they're patient and the command comes from the psychological element of them. And in Infernal Wake, it also has this uh, fidelity, this audio quality of like a radio broadcast or emergency broadcast system sort of thing where like you feel like important information is being communicated to you through that voice. Yeah, it really it's it is a strange thing where, yeah, it's not really barked. There are times when things are curt and short and direct, but it still has a different feel than a lot of the other projects sort of in this genre. And I think that that's one of the strengths of an Enzophalia is sort of dealing with those control mechanisms through the vocals. And I mean, I I feel like one of their kind of continued concepts has been a brainwashing. And that is one of those things that you, we find in here through the, through the use of the vocals. And one of the strangest things about the majority of this record is that all but a couple tracks are recorded live. Mm -hmm. Uh, Beneath the Shroud, Regime, and La Bombast are not recorded live, but everything right, else on this right. record is credited with uh, live presentation and recorded between 1992 and 1995. And of course, the CD was released in 95. And there's something about that that's always sat really strangely with me because these are like perfect and amazing recordings and versions of these songs and this, but it's picturing it as a, as a live performance feels very strange given the pace and like frequency content and everything of these recordings. Yeah. And it's not like the style of live recording where you're going to hear the audience. It's not a room recording. It's just straight. It's, it's just done so well and just straight through the board. Well, so that's what I sort of assume, right? Is that again, total assumption, obviously an doesn't, you know, what I think is great about one of the things I think is great is that they don't do interviews. It's, it's, it's always left up to the listener and the listener's interpretations. And what they give you is what you, that's what you get. And then now it's left for you to interpret. But what I assume is that, yes, these are obviously their board recordings and that they're even tracked. You know, there's however many tracks he's using. They're individually going into the board. Again, I'm only assuming this. And that that after the recording, then he goes and mixes it, you know, because they have, a, again, maybe not. Maybe it's completely exactly as he did it live. Yeah. I, again, it's all speculation. But, but it's so damn so, good. It's so, <laughs> it feels so precise and so yeah. right that I have to assume that there was some post, at least mixing. But hey, maybe not. I might be totally wrong. Also, I've not heard of any of these places for other performances, it's possible these are studios or private establishments Mm -hmm. where he went and set up and did, you know, and did perform the piece, but not with an audience of however many people, you know, right. And I, I, 
Have we, you guys have seen an Enzophilia, uh Yep. A couple years ago, uh-huh. right? Uh, I've seen him a, yep. a few times now. And the stage presence is also another thing that very much helps with when we talk Amazing. about this sort of commanding and these even metered vocals. Uh, that's You see that uh, in the live performance as well. And I, one of the things that I really like about this, I mean, I, I can wax poetic about the Korg MS-20 probably for the rest of my life. <laughs> But the approach that is taken on this record is these really strange modulations. These there there are some sort of trademark sounds I hear that come out of that machine, but they're used in different ways. And I like I, I'm I am a sucker for a simple, slow, heavy bass modulation or a really nasty, ringing sort of corrosive tone. And that's this record is full of that and really good strange white noise percussion and processing of other things. Like all of it sounds really good. So sometimes there's what you would almost call a rhythmic element, but it's just coming through that modulation or like slightly detuned oscillators making a weird rhythm that you can kind of follow along to, but it's not, it's not an intentional sort of thing, but it's because they're just beating together. So slowly, slightly out of tune. It's really funny on Coroner's Eyes on the last track. I wrote, I'm a sucker for these sounds. This distorted crumble, the scratchy, the decomposing echo, like exactly like all of the sounds they use. I'm just like, oh, more of we're that. Just, we're just suckers it. for all the sounds on this record, right? Yeah. I mean, it just, <laughs> yeah. it hits so many. It's not many, a sound I'm mad at on this and, record. And it's funny, you pointed out, I had the same feeling about the live recordings. I wondered if it was some sort of layer of obscurity he works in throughout his entire output. Yeah. I kept writing vagary. Yeah. Yeah. And even the vocals, right? So the, where the, the vocals once in a while, maybe you can pick out something that you understand, but generally he keeps it very obscured, even though the, even though the, the, the effects don't, they're not overloaded and they don't, they're not, like it feels like you should be able to understand what he's saying, I guess. Exactly. But yeah. you can't, but you, I mean, you can here and there, but you, it's still, it's you know never I mean? crystal clear and you're not going to be able to get all the lyrics down with any sort of certainty. I've always had like guesses at the, like the lyrics on live bombast or some of the other mm-hmm. tracks, like, but I, I can't, I'm not, I'm never sure. And every time I'm listening, I'm like, is that right? That doesn't really make sense. Uh, and I'm fine with that. I'm fine with oh, the, yeah, the yeah. sort of, and the mixing of the vocals also takes the place from like right up front to distant and far in the background or far away. And there's, there's no making them out either, which way is the thing. Right. And then when coupled with sort of strange rhythms and that, that synth gristle, it just, it, it, it's a thing that I love to listen to and a thing that it, a record that sets an atmosphere from its first second and it does not let up. It, it's oppressive and suffocating and miserable. And I look to like the brutalist architecture, like you're talking about new homes, new icons, like, mm-hmm. you know, sort of welcome to your shiny new prison kind of thing with this too of yeah the, the misery of the mundane and daily life. And I, this project just captures it. 
it absolutely does. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, it's industrial, right? And it's <laughs> yes. talking about these industrial things. I mean, again, going back to Leibenstadt or you know, however you pronounce it, uh, I, I just Leibombast? I just is certainly that, said it wrong. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. But it, but it opens with this. Yes, it, it opens with this sample that to me seems like some sort of. Uh, you know, a uh, work video from an industrial factory from, you know, the yes. early 1900s. I Let mean, obviously there wasn't. You know. We have an occupation to fill and then yeah. it ends with be happy. So it has this great, you know, that's the thing, right? We're just in the, in the factory, in the industrial factory. And then that track does that to me, like I said, is the, is the quote unquote fastest track. Mm-hmm. And that has the closest to, I don't even want to say barked vocals because they're not barked, but they're they're the most sort of upfront and, and imp- all closest imp- to frantic. They're imperative. It, there you go. And and that's I think again, I've always thought he's saying I'm walking on the streets of madness. Tara said maybe he's saying the streets of sadness. It's again, that's what I've always heard. I might be totally wrong. Is that what you generally hear? Or I've, something I've thought, close to uh, that? Uh, brink or beach of madness, which makes no oh. sense. But Brink of Madness makes sense. Well, well, Brink of Madness, Madness does. Beach doesn't. Uh, How? Why not? Why not? But again, <laughs> and it can change. I mean, it, but again, again it, and it would change every time it would mm-hmm. come up. We like, no wait, I think it might be that. Which again, I love that. I love that. Look, the world. What is it? The world smothered in absurdity. Is is that the? That's the line from the from the liner notes, right? It's so great. And that's the thing is, he works with absurdity. He works with contradiction, right? No thing, right? And and I think that's that's the art, right? That's the art of industrial. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that Anunzafalia really gets that part of industrial, the art. And even, you know, discussing the words written on the back, no ideology, no progress, no thing. It ties into the vocals because they they are delivered in a way that's, you know, semi emotionless. Like we can that becomes something on its own and and evokes a feeling within us when something is emotionless like that. But it it does tie into the coldness and maybe, you know, the internal death of the repetition or not even the internal death. Maybe it's not an internal death. Maybe it's just the idea of feeling nothing um, of, of laboring and gloom or, you know, just being present as you watch your health waste away um, much like, you know, prior infrastructure of a city. You know, I think we've got a real uh, sort of left, right uppercut combo here uh, towards the end of the record too, starting with genealogy of disease, which has that sort of clanging synth bell loop going for it. And then it has, Mm -hmm. that one actually has a a straight up drum machine, like a rhythm in it. Yes. And I I owe that to sort of, and one of those things that, that Anencephalia and genocide organ have always kind of struck me with is, uh, the uh, an inspiration from SPK, like a very direct oh, yeah. lineage oh, totally. from SPK, mm-hmm. and I, I hear that in this track with the with the weird bell, and there's then there's this great like MS twenty bass growl, and then you go into La Bombas, which has those great vocals and that kind of weird kind of almost sounds there's like a little glitch or a little like warp at the end of the loop like maybe it's a tape loop or something that's like just kind of off and then you go into shockville crisis and it's got that like panicked breathing repeated throughout it and like waves 
it's actual waves. I think like recorded, <laughs> recorded mm-hmm. where where ocean meets land and actual waves crashing and a really sort of simple rhythm, but then this like almost horror movie stab to it that just mutates throughout the piece and that it's like panic inducing this track and i these three in a row are like perfect if you if you don't listen to the whole record put those three on you'll be sold (laughs) the shockwave crisis or it it means the shock vela crisis is shockwave crisis but it only made me think of waterboarding like the panic of being waterboarded and and torture this track shockwave shock well crisis shockwave crisis to me this is the defining Anunza Felia track the, while it the, doesn't have vocals right but like other than that, that panic breathing if I were to <laughs> if someone <laughs> yeah. were to say play me in Anunza Felia track I would play in this track it really I've sticks always, with you <laughs> that panic breathing loop to me is one of the greatest loops of all industrial that the the water sounds that and then yeah, that and then there is those minimal drums that are, and then the and then the oh god when they and then kick the synth in it's that's moving so good. down right it just Ugh. it just yes. it, it, it's it's it, it never you. it's just drowning it's just <laughs> yeah. no no I, totally I waterboarding a hundred percent is what is what this brings to mind and the this track to me is and even this one being one of the longer tracks most tracks are around the between four and five minutes and then there's a handful of over seven minute tracks this is one of those and the length of it just makes it that much more impactful because it's just that breathing is just it just never goes away and you're just panicked and it's to me this is a defining track for an encephalia. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. The kind of the other hit I would say is the fi- the song Final Pulse, which is like for me I mean, and Last Chance Past. I think those are probably yeah. when I think of an encephalia from the kind of classic era, it's it's those pieces. Uh there's a bunch of great later stuff. I mean, Noheim record is really fantastic, but it's that records that we that was another one we yeah. actually listened to today. Uh, today, yeah, before <laughs> listening to and that I mean I, I, I do feel that probably a perfect discography i mean there's really maybe maybe you you know you maybe you like an album more than another but there's nothing that's to me that's like oh that was that was a weird misstep you know what i mean it's like they're all i think magenta's great which is the last one of and that was a lot of stuff that he he had been doing live and then kind of collected it into the the final album uh you know zero complaints and yeah exactly and you know he's the project is over but I if I'm not mistaken, there's it's been over a few times, but there's been some shows. I mean, am I right about that? Uh, there have been some shows. I believe the show I saw last was the final show, which right. was in San Francisco a couple years ago. This record does sort of it, it's it it is the statement, right? It is it's 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 like the Anencephalia, you know, document in a way, and. It's, you know, if you, if anyone listening is unfamiliar with the project, I mean, this is the great place to start. This is the one to go to. Right. And, and if you are familiar, you probably know what we're talking about. Yeah. The other place that's a really good grab, if you're going for an Enzophilia from a kind of entry zone, would be the instrumentalities CD, which collects all of their EPs, 10 inch, 12 inch, seven inches all in one place. And it's a really diverse showcase of the project. And you've, if you were 
over on the Patreon, you've heard us discuss the very first seven inch gearing everyone up for the discussion of this album. And yeah, it's, and, and, and that instrumentality is the final pulse is, is one of the tracks collected on that. It is. And yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, that's, you know, what a, what a song. And I'm sure all this stuff is on the Tesco band camp. They're quite good about keeping up the stuff, especially from their flagship bands. Definitely. And we'll of course have links to all that. The Tara, there's, which track was it that you were My just favorite? drooling over? Ultra Fear Perception. Yeah. Oh, right, I right. love it. I love that sound. Like that's that kind of like minimal, slow growl, like maybe like a um I was I was thinking it's like a marble rolling across like corrugated metal of its own accord. And then that electrical buzz that comes in is just so <laughs> I it made me think of like a, a very quiet apocalypse. I think it actually starts with that buzz, like, but it's just like sixty cycle hum or mm-hmm. something buried underneath it, and then it it actually becomes an element of the piece as it goes on, which I really sort of like. It sets the stage where you're like, hey, you, got, you got like a ground that you know you got a weird, a weird barely there hum, and then it goes into it goes into that track, and I know what you're talking about with the a marble rolling on corrugated steel. It's I, I uh, refer to it as sort of a. a desiccated texture in my notes yeah it's it's, so slow it's so slow it is one of those weird things of like a groaning very like low frequency oscillator going and it's uh it's almost sort of a lo-fi sound like it's not quite it feels like the resolution isn't there with with how gritty it all is and i really like that you know one of the things about this record too that when we hear effects used, they're primarily on vocals. And then I'd say, you know, there's obviously like some delay of reverb or a little phasing, but it's kept really fairly minimal in terms of uh, any other effects that would really greatly affect the sound. I feel like we're hearing a lot of synthesizer and and rhythm machine and not a lot of not too much processing of those things. Totally, yeah. there's it, it's it's clean in, yeah. in a way, but it's still obscured and coming. There's a mist and a fog with a lot of this, but it's it's almost the way the things are being played, not so much what it's running through. Well, I think part of the magic is on the uh, mixing or EQing end of things, where like certain frequencies are just gone. They're not. They're not there. They're scooped out, mm-hmm. and it changes the shape and character of the sound so drastically from what you might be used to hearing. And I think that that's a really kind of key thing here is like there's, there's missing data, but it's implied. And I feel like that's true of the project itself. Like the, the goals, the message, the vibe is like, there's missing information, but you can try to piece it together with what you've been given. I think something you said earlier is, something I always think about when I think of Tesco and Unzefalia, you know, the, the, the different avenues that people take of inspiration from the originators, you know, like throbbing gristle white house. And yes, to me, SBK, right. I mean, this is the, it's that the clinical, mm. yes. the, the, the layers of things and the layers of information, the information overload, right? I mean, yeah. and so that's what, 
and, and the and the not giving you the answer. They're just giving you these layers and layers of things for you to sift through. No answer is given, right? And and even just the just the palette in general, I think goes back to information overload, goes back to the like that early SBK. Yeah, yeah. That early mm-hmm. SBK. And and even the sort of there's almost like you said, there's t- there's points where there's almost a rhythm or a drum machine sort of creeps in, but then it doesn't. And then it doesn't always line up the way you think it's going to line up or it gets out of time, which I think of SBK doing that as well. Yeah, I think there's no there's no master clock for this stuff. Everything is sort of a weird, the super slow polyrhythmic expanse. And like look at coroner's eyes. You know, you have really these grisly textures and this uh, sort of crude synth stuff. But then you've also got this slow plod. If there's a drum machine, it's got one (laughs) kick drum for the entire thing and it's running at like 40 BPM. And that's blurred through the use of EQ and whatever. Like it's everything is just slowed down. And that's the longest cut on this thing at uh, eight minutes and 23 seconds and I, I just the use of tension on this release it, it never provides use of tension on this album never provides any release it never gives you uh, uh, any completion or finality it is only just a hour long ex- exercise in tension yeah and this track especially corners eyes in parentheses, global obsequies, which are funeral rites. Um, you know, maybe it is the suggestion in, um, in in the photos that are included, but I, I could only think of this as hot, like a funeral pyre, somebody being burned dead or alive. Um, and it made it just so dark. But this, I thought, was one of those tracks. It's not like cold and bleak. It's It's absolutely like hot and dark. I think so too. And yeah, it's just, it's the final funeral rites for the, for the world and the morbid march to the end. Yeah. It's a monument to futility. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, just the way it does wrap up and even the way that it is the longest track coroner's eyes. I mean, wow. Just the coroner watching, watching it all right. Mm -hmm. Seeing it, seeing the death, seeing the decay and observing the cremation. Yeah, and I think it it just sort of sums everything up that's that's come before it. You know, while while eight minutes and twenty three seconds is a, a great length for a track for an Insofalia, if we go back to something like the third track, Kachexi. Yeah. Which is this sort of it's, like it's Kachesi and it's Chinese, it means truck tilt. Truck tilt? Uh-huh. The tilt of a truck. Kachesi. <laughs> If we go back to the third track, Kachasi, <laughs> there's this sort of windblown, like apocalyptic landscape on display here. And it's it's almost got this heartbeat running through it. But you can't tell if it's a heartbeat or like distant machinery or something pounding away. Absolutely. I wrote distant metal junk like this. This wobbly truck is being windblown on a barren plane. And then there's some sort of like ambient wind swirling around. I mean, 
The Haunting Mist, The Winds of War. I mean, that's what this mm-hmm. track was to me. Yeah, it calls and, it calls to mind uh, something like Sorcerer, like the truck scene <laughs> where oh, wow. you, you have. Oh, you, yeah. Speaking of nothing that. but uh, unrelenting <laughs> tension. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> and I, I think that, you know, but but also coupled with this sort of barren. Uh, War torn wasteland. You know, that's yeah. that's sort of the imagery that I get when I listen to this. And that piece communicates its message in four minutes, you know, half the time. And I like that these pieces can unfold over whatever time they need. So there's not there's no rush to get something out, but there's also no reason to extend it when it's when it can be nice and concise. And, you know, that's one of the things we talk about when we, uh, you know, when we did the episode about the uh, first Nensifalia 7 inch. Absolutely. And. You know, another track I really love. I mean, another track I really love, a.k.a. the entire album. Every track. Yeah, right. but, <laughs> yeah but but Thaum, and to me, that was the sounds of the afterlife come to life. Oh, yeah, that the one's The afterlife vocals, the sure. afterlife obscurity. Mm-hmm. And, Terry, you said that Thaum is the... It's like the smallest unit of energy or it can be translated into um, miracle or uh, magic. Thaumaturgy is the purported capability of a magician to work magic or other paranormal events or even uh, a saint to perform miracles. You know, I didn't uh, realize that a word is the prefix of or, you know, first half of thaumaturgy. Exactly. I don't know why. Uh, yep. But there you go. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. And it has totally. this uh, sort of reversed speech in it. I actually can't tell if that's vocals or a uh, recording that's being right, used right, and run right. backwards or run through like a reverse delay effect or something. And then it also has what we see on a couple of these tracks is this, the tendency to use these really sort of grating textures, but also there's these sort of nauseating winds that drift oh, and yeah. slowly mm-hmm. modulate and shift and make you feel uncomfortable throughout their duration. Oh, I mean, there's just an unsettled unsettledness to the electronics throughout this whole album, throughout all of Anunzophalia. And yes, there's it's an uncomfortableness that I mean, kind of like Tara said early in the episode, it's an uncomfortableness, but it's a welcome uncomfortableness because you just the the atmosphere and world that he creates is while it's unsettling, while it's uncomfortable, it's fascinating and it pulls you in and you want to you want to sift through the layers. You want to sift through the mist. You want to sift through the winds and and see what he's getting at. And it's never quite there. But you mm-hmm. the more and more you listen to it, the more and more you try to get to it. And that's the that's the I think journey that and then Zafali takes you on throughout his entire output. It's audio yeah, quicksand. Whole- nice. Yes. I love that audio yes. quicksand. I think that's a, a fantastic way to describe. But, you know, I think they're definitely holding a mirror up to the world, a mirror up to it, definitely society because we're creating this trap that is being described. And, and the mirror that's being held up, I think we all have experienced at a point where are we a cog in the wheel of society? And then you can see just the purely functional aspects of our existence. And you you look back at it and it's fascinating to look at. And it, and it is in a way that is devoid of 
heavy emotion because it is just truly uh, an aspect of our nature. Well, and I think exactly devoid of of emotion is a great way of putting it because I think I think even the vocals, you know, they're they're very inhuman. Yeah, and they are devoid of emotion. They're in a way, an industrialized but human. Their lack of emotion then fills you with a certain emotion. You know what I mean? And I think that's the, <laughs> yes. that's the, that's the yeah. genius. That's the genius, right? That's the, that's the artistic genius of Anunzophalia and take where industrial power electronics, whatever the term you assign to this, that's where it can go. And that's a, that's a place yeah. it can go. And I think Anunzophalia takes it, takes that element of industrial and just captures it in a way that I think few projects can it shows you the dead dream and the dead dream is fascinating makes you just say like is this progress really and that's what it says here right here the dream dies Mm -hmm. right here the dream dies dominated by obsession of power and lust led by unwritten rules from clinical birth to clinical death ask the epithet of god it still is deception no ideology no progress no thing the world smothered in absurdity You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 17 years. By Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at noise extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to Noise.